You are about to listen to my conversation with Rick Plattner, an elder of the Apostolic Christian Church in Fairbury, Illinois. If you're from the Fairbury area, you definitely know plenty of people who go to this church. I personally strongly admire the culture, the piety, and the community associated with the Fairbury AC Church, but I recognize, as you likely do as well, that there is no shortage of thoughts, opinions, and rumors surrounding apostolic Christianity, how and why they do things, and what exactly they believe in the first place. Well, my friend Rick and I got to the bottom of all of that in this wildly interesting episode. If you enjoy this show and you want to support it, sharing this video with your friends, subscribing on YouTube, and liking and following my pages on Instagram and Facebook help a lot, and that's a great way to do that. But if you would like to directly contribute to the show's improvement and production, I would love for you to become a patron on patreon.com forward slash Paul Garcia, where you'll also gain access to exclusive episodes and content. I'd like to take this chance to thank my current beloved patrons, Ben Traub, Ann Barnes, Parker Shilson, Donnie Bounds, and Miranda Noyes. You guys are amazing. Now, without any further ado, here is my conversation with Rick Plattner. Hello and welcome to The Paul Garcia Show, a show about the remarkable people of Central Illinois. I'm your host, Paul Garcia, and I invite you to join me as I speak with these individuals about their stories, the lessons they've learned, and the knowledge they've gained along the way. Tune in every Sunday to witness the power of bringing each new individual's unique journey into the spotlight. What are maybe the core beliefs of the AC faith? Of course, I didn't do any studying, Mm -hmm. but I'll just tell you what would come to my heart. Number one is there is one God, and God is, I don't even know how to say it right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we say God in three persons. That doesn't sound honoring enough to God. Like the triune God. The Trinity God, right. Mm -hmm. But to call them persons, I never know if that's appropriate respect or not. But it's God the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and Savior, and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we say the Holy Spirit is a part of God. But I think appropriately said the Holy Spirit is God, so is God, and so is Jesus. Our belief is that um, God placed man in the garden, Garden of Eden, and man sinned, and sin passed through the uh, human race. But God made a promise early in the early in the book of Genesis that there would a savior, there would a Messiah come, that he would be born of a woman. Mm-hmm. And the Scripture uses interesting phrases in the in the fullness of time, in due time. I would, Paul, just describe it or interpret it this way, in the right time, in God's timing. He sent Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus was perfect man. He had an earthly mother. He was perfect God. He had God the Father. We, today, many of us would call ourselves sons and daughters of the living God, children of God. Mm -hmm. But the only begotten Son of God was Jesus. Very interesting. Very interesting. And I've heard that that whole thing with the Trinity referred to as the div- a divine mystery, sure. you know, something to never be fully comprehended until we are reunited with our Father in sure. heaven. Yeah, it, it's really difficult to grasp when we're here on earth and it doesn't make sense to be totally yourself and totally 
something larger. And oh, it's you know, I, I won't even bother. I'll sound like a, a knucklehead. And I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to say I can clear it up for you. But sometimes <laughs> I think of it like this: You might look at me and think, "There's a fella." puts this expensive gray stuff in his hair. Uh, <laughs> stomach's getting a little bit big because he loves chocolate. But what you don't see is you don't see how much I love my grandchildren. You don't see how devoted of a husband I am to my wife. You don't know what makes the emotional me. But that is part of me also. So I think of that sometimes. Flesh, soul, spirit. We are also, and not surprising, Paul, the scripture says we're made in the image of God. Hmm. We're his image bearers. And while we we are not God or even close, but we are we want to be reflective of who he is. Hmm. Probably the biggest core belief is Jesus lived a perfect life. He was born without sin. He committed no sin. He was the only one that was able to pay a price that had to be paid. The scripture says the wages of sin is death. That's the judgment for you, for me, upon all the world. And the sad news is the scripture tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Doesn't sound very pretty to say it this way. I'd say to our young people, we're all in the same bucket and all are in need of a savior. We believe that Jesus, in his perfection, went to the cross, that he took upon himself the sins of all the world. In fact, the scripture says it interesting. It says he became sin for us, Mm -hmm. that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Just a little bit of a history lesson. The Jews, prior to Jesus Christ, of course, would... It was normal for them to sacrifice a lamb in repentance for their sins. You know, you sin, something has to be sacrificed, so they'd sacrifice a lamb. And then, you know, Jesus, this is why they call him the Lamb of God, the eternal covenant, the, what is it, the eternal sacrifice, things like that, because when he was sacrificed, that's infinitely better than sacrificing a lamb, and it was forgiveness of sins for humanity, for I guess. all mankind, whosoever will right. may come. We spoke of it before we began the podcast, but you mentioned a phrase or a, a word called repentance. Mm-hmm. You, we know that Christ paid the price, Christ did the work, but God calls man to repentance. It seems as we read the scripture, that's always how man has met God. It's not in pride. It's not, here I am, God, what can I do for you? But it's in this understanding that we are so small. Mm. I think what David Mm. said in, I believe it's Psalm 8, he said, what is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man that thou visitest him? I really believe David, who had what the scripture calls the heart of God, a man after God's own heart, um, he really got it that we didn't have any right to even come into the presence of this living God. And so it is in that humility that we recognize our sinfulness. A a comfortable or a common saying in the world is Jesus died for the sins of all the world, of all mankind. And that's true. But repentance, Paul, is when we become the sinful man. It's us. It's not the other one. It's not 
everybody else, we grow up, we think we're pretty good people. Well, I never did anything that bad, or I'm not as bad as those kids or those men or these people. But what we find is in repentance, we have to acknowledge our own sin. We own it. And it is condemning. That wage of sin is death. Thankfully, when we repent, Jesus takes our place. Very well put. And we're going to talk about repentance down the line in this conversation. But for a moment, I'd like to talk about what the apostolic Christian faith, uh, what that means, what it's about today and now. Sure. And I'd like to start by asking, how did you get your start in this faith? How did you, are you a, in Catholicism, we call them cradle Catholics. Were you a cradle AC or did you convert into this religion? Good question. I guess I never thought of that phrase before. I guess <laughs> I was a cradle apostolic. Yeah, I was born and carried to church in my mom's arms, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the only church I ever knew. Um, I mean, as I grew up, I, I learned of other churches, but it, we, we aren't a church that goes from house to house a lot. So we pretty much just stayed with our church, in our church. I was about 15 years old when I recognized that sin was serious and it, it was going to condemn me to hell. And that's when I would say I began to feel called of God and I mm-hmm. was able to, to come in a humble repentance and the beauty there is he, he changes, us, changes us completely. So what does the name Epistolic yeah. Christian sure. mean? Like, what, sure. what does that mean? That's sure. the title of the faith, of course. Sure. And I mean, most religions, I feel like, would think that they, too, are sure. a Christian denomination sure. that adheres to or derives from sure. the apostles. But yeah, yeah what's the name? Well, I would say it's sort of what you already defined it, apostolic-like. Christ-like. The scripture talks about being built upon the foundation of Christ and of the apostles and prophets. The apostolic Christian faith, and I know all faiths would say this, and I don't mean this in any way disrespectful, but I would say our church puts a great emphasis on the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a gentleman at, at where I work at Fairview Haven ask me the other day, he said, I have a question for you. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, I was visiting with someone, and they said they believed every word in the Bible. And this gentleman said to them, oh, you can't believe every word. He said, I'm going to ask Rick. And so he let about a month go by, and he said, ah, she's going to ask me. I got to ask you, do you believe every word in the Bible? And I said, oh, I'm going to disappoint you. But yes, I do. I said, now I recognize you can take two Bibles, uh, same version. And sometimes there's a typo that doesn't shake our faith a bit, Hmm. but we like to use the word, the Bible, it's God's word. We like to use the phrase inspired. It's Hmm. inspired. To me, that means it's God breathed. Hmm. It's what God wants for us. It could be so much bigger. We think the Bible's a big book. My, that would take a long time to read. What is it in the gospel of Matthew or something at the beginning? He says, Someone says that if you were to write or record all the things that Jesus did, it would the books would fill the earth or something like you, that. You got it. Lines. You got the wrong gospel, but that's okay. Right. You, the, I guarantee no, you can quote the no, Bible no, a billion times no, better than no. me. It's in John, but, <laughs> but he said, if everything was written that should be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books. Right. 
So, but, but we're thankful that God, I don't know if the right word is distilled, but he gave us enough that it points to our sinful condition, our need for him and the hope, the wonderful hope that it gives. So many times people say Jesus died on the cross so that we could go to heaven. Mm -hmm. And I think in its core, that's probably accurate, but it's so much more than that. I often say to our young people, so are you going to just lay on that couch till God calls you home? We need to be up and doing. There's life to live. I like the attitude. And yeah. it um, it is a joy. It's kind of interesting. You talked about whether it was baked in, whether I grew up apostolic or came into it. And we have a... Um, we have a montage, you know, it's, it's, there's many of both, but the, the beauty is, um, as God draws us, we begin to know him. We begin to love him. We begin to serve him. And it, it's just the household of faith. Our, our church to us is a place where where we go and we find fellowship and we're encouraged and strengthened and admonished and, and, um, chastened and encouraged that we want, we want to help each other. And, and I, I know you said early on, and we'll probably talk about it. There are some negative perceptions out there. Of course there are. Mm -hmm. We're a little different. We know that, but it's our belief that we're different in the way that God calls us to be, not just for the sake of being contrary. We are brought to you by the Coffee Steamer. The Coffee Steamer is Livingston County's premier coffee joint. Their trailer in Fairbury boasts delicious and decadent coffee drinks, teas, and smoothies, while their full-service cafe in Forest has all that, plus tons of incredible baked goods, sandwiches, and salads. Life is too short to drink bad coffee, so head on over to the Coffee Steamer and start your mornings or your afternoons off right. Right. I think what makes you different, you're not something I really like about the AC faith is you really don't change too much. Like in the past few decades, there hasn't been a ton of change with the times. So word of God does not change with the times and the culture of the times and the culture of here in the United States. You know, you guys take the word of God very seriously. And I really appreciate that. And I respect that a lot and you, and you stick to it, you know, you're not wishy-washy and you don't move in the ways that society tries to move you as you should not. Like, do you think that the word of God should be interpreted differently, you know, as, as years go by? Not necessarily at all. Sure. So, I mean, you could even say you're, so most people would say that's strict, but there's a time and a place to be strict, I guess. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I'm going to say what you said is what I want. Mm-hmm. But I think it's aspirational because we're not always there. We have, like any denomination, experienced the cultures of change. How could we not? <clears throat> there was a day in the Apostolic Christian Church where gentlemen didn't, men didn't leave the farm. They, they worked with their hands. Um, life has changed. Look at what we're doing today. I think I can honestly say 20 years ago, I never thought I'd be sitting doing a podcast. Right. And I think I told you earlier, probably two years ago, if you'd have said podcast, I would have said, what are you talking about? Right. Um, we want to harness technology in a positive way. Uh, probably our 
our um, core thought would be leave it go, just ignore it. But it is a part of our life. We all have supercomputers on our belts, in our purses, on our desktops, at home and at work. It is the way the world runs. So what we have to ask ourselves, you're right, God doesn't change. But how do we harness and incorporate technology or the changes in life and continue to be faithful to the tenets of Scripture? What does God want? We can often ask ourselves, what do I want? What does the congregation want? What does our church want? But the the bigger question is, what does God want? That's where we want to be. So we have had to navigate change quite a bit, actually. There's many in our church that would say, too much is changing. I I like a quote I heard a, a brother from our church say one time. People sometimes lament, I want to, I want to live in the world we used to live in. And the answer is, I can't find that world. That world doesn't exist. Now that's not to say that we want to rest the word of God, change it or modify it just because other men or women are saying this, this or this. But we have found ourselves, we drive cars today. We live in quite a bit of comfort. And I would say that the roots of the church, most everybody was poor. I think of a individual that told me once, we grew up poor, but we didn't know we were poor. Mm. A lot of people were poor. Today, I wouldn't say we're all affluent, but we certainly have a lot of creature comforts that our forefathers right. did not have. The other thing we don't have is much in the way of persecution. And I'm not looking for it. I don't want it. I'm not a good sufferer. But I do think sometimes that um, is quite a proving ground to draw us closer to the Father. Hmm. Very interesting. And yeah, you say that we we live affluently now. I forget what documentary it was that I watched, but they talked about, you know, near the 1500s in Europe, the medieval times, I guess, if I'm if I'm in the right era during the Protestant Reformation, there were uh, there were kings who were just the elites in society, rich, crazy, filthy rich by our by the standards of the day. And. Our lives today are just insanely, so many more times, much more comfortable, I guess, than they, I mean, they used, like they would warm their beds with coals. They would, their restrooms were just grotesque and everything. Cold illness plagued them all the time. So, I mean, yeah. And they had to take a horse around and everything. And yeah, we we are rich. I mean, we're very comfortable these days. No question. One thing you mentioned was... You you take literally, well, you didn't say take literally, but you do believe every word in the Bible. And that's an interesting topic to talk about. And, you know, as a as a Catholic, I also believe every word of the Bible, but I think we might interpret things differently. I mean, that's really, that's why we have different sects within the Protestant denominations. I mean, because interpretation. Do you think that the Old Testament laws... Are they such as you can't wear garments of multiple different um, fabrics? Do you think that those, in, in other things like about who should be stoned for what reasons, are those, do you not adhere to those laws? We don't. And and you're probably not talking to an uh, ultimate theologist here. Hmm. But 
I think um, this, the the New Testament, I heard this said years ago, and I don't know if I can quote it right, but I've really appreciated it. It said something like this, the the new is in the old, speaking the New Testament and the Old Testament, the new is in the old contained, the old is by the new explained. We certainly, um, I would say we are definitely, our church definitely is guided by the New Testament, hmm. but there are the Old Testament, the scripture says it two different ways. It was written for our admonition to, to correct us, the Old Testament, the old scripture, and it was written for our learning. And um, while we may not and we don't follow all of the dietary laws, etc., I think the Ten Commandments is an example of, of God's heart for man but it's interesting, Paul, because as you take the New Testament, Jesus sort of raised the bar on the mm-hmm. Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments might say, do not commit adultery. What did Jesus say? If a man looks upon a woman with lust, he hath already committed adultery in his heart. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament said, thou shalt do no murder, or thou shalt not kill. But the, the New Testament, Jesus said, don't call your brother a fool. Um, it just, the New Testament really refine. I don't want to say refines, but it, it, I guess I'll use the word I used before. It raises the bar because the, the change, I think, from the Old Testament to the New, and I, this isn't theological, but the Old Testament is a physical kingdom. God's people, the Jews, um, the children of Israel upon the earth, that was his kingdom. Today we read the kingdom of God is within you. It's a spiritual kingdom. And um, so I believe today we have capabilities to walk actually closer to God and to Jesus than the, than the patriarchs of the Old Testament did. Even though Moses walked with God, Abraham was the friend of God, David, <laughs> David was a man after God's own heart. But I believe by God... Um, taking residence in our heart through his spirit, I believe it allows us to live what I'll call an overcoming life where we don't repent for sin and then continue to live in that sin. God actually gives us delivery. In the Old Testament, he said to the children of Israel, I brought you out of the house of bondage when they were bondmen and women in Egypt. I think spiritually today, those that have been redeemed and are following Jesus also have been bought, brought out of the house of bondage. They've been set upon the path of life. They've been, I love the word Jesus used with Nicodemus, he must be born again. It's a new creature. God doesn't just take us and polish us up a little. He makes us new. We are brought to you by Marshalloni's Pizza in Fairbury, Illinois. I am a pizza enthusiast. Pizza has always been my favorite food. I've tried hundreds of different pizzas from hundreds of different pizza places across the country, and yes, plenty from Chicago, and I can honestly say that pizza from Marshalloni's in Fairbury, Illinois is my number one favorite pizza ever. Their barbecue chicken pizza is simply unbeatable. For my birthday this year, when asked what my dinner of choice would be, I am not joking when I say I chose barbecue chicken pizza from Marshalloni's in Fairbury, and it was the best birthday ever. You can't go wrong with their other toppings either, like sausage, pepperoni, and supreme. And if you really want something incredible, I highly recommend you try their beloved cheese nuggets with marinara dipping sauce on the side. 
Mmm, my mouth is actually watering just thinking about it. I have downed full-size orders of those things and they are meant to feed an entire family and that's because they are just that good. On top of the incredible quality of their pizza, Marshalloni's also offers a daily happy hour. If you call between 4 p.m. and 5 p.m. and order a pizza, you get a second one of equal or lesser value for free. Restrictions apply. You can even call at 4.45 p.m., order your pizzas, and then pick them up at 8 p.m. and you will still get that happy hour discount. How sweet is that? This ad is extremely easy for me to do because I really genuinely love this place and I eat there all the time and half of this is literally spoken off the top of my head. So for the most delicious pizzas around, head nowhere else but Marshalloni's Pizza in Fairbury, Illinois. Call them up and place your order for a pizza today at 815-692-4602 and pick it up at 405 East Locust Street in Fairbury. Something you briefly mentioned a second ago was technology. And I think you alluded to the fact that it can, and maybe you didn't, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but that it can be a problem. Something that, I mean, I remember kids talking about in school regarding kids that were ACs is that they didn't have TVs. They didn't watch TV. They didn't listen to popular radio. uh, They didn't use the internet excessively. They did it school when it was necessary. What's the reason behind that? And do you at your church in Fairbury, do you guys have, you know, some guidelines regarding technology usage that you try to adhere to as well? I don't yes, we do. I don't know how um structured it is. That probably varies from person to person and family to family. But I I think a couple biblical principles Paul come to mind. Um in the scripture we read, I will put no evil before my eyes. Mm. In another place, we read, abstain from all appearance of evil. We read in several places in the scripture um, of the progressiveness of sin. A lot of times it starts small. It's maybe just a peek at something. It's just an introduction to something. It's just a casual um, parlance with something. But it has a tendency to take root. That's the way the flesh is. So, So I would say our stand on and our concern about technology, you hit it. It's what it brings into our house. It was easy, actually, years ago, easy not to have a TV. That might sound funny to some. How could you make it without a TV? (laughs) But, you know, we just found other ways to entertain ourselves. I think the thing with the television is it just brought a lot of commercialism, a lot of values that we didn't adhere to. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if this is going to sound wrong, but but um, in some of the, I guess I'll call them sitcoms in America through the years, mom was clueless and dad was a dope. You know, I mean, you're right. My dad used to hate that. Like on Nickelodeon, um, they would all that would always be the uh, the format, I guess, or the don't know what to call it. But yeah, sure. the parents would be dummies. The kids yeah. would be up to no good and clever. And Absolutely. Everything. And and that that certainly wasn't something we wanted to build on. Another place where I think the apostolics have probably felt a little standoffish, and, and we're not 100% on this today, but you're not going to typically find us at the arena. We're not typically you know, in the chair seats watching the basketball game or in the stands watching the football game. And Oh. Paul the Apostle used um, 
athletic um, illustrations different times, running a race, etc. But again, we'll we'll apply a scriptural technique, not technique, tech, uh, thought regarding um, emulations, um, competitiveness. Um, I think of sometimes what athletics emotes in our young people and in our old people. It's domination. I'm going to win. I'm better than you. I'm going to mm. crush you. And I'm not at all saying that's all of athletics. I think there's probably pieces of athletics that builds team, that builds uh, an understanding that, you know, I'm just one part that have some good pieces, but it also, we feel like it can become an idol. You, you know, I know growing up, um, I could name some names, you know, baseball players that were, you You had a ho- only read about them in the history book. You're a lot <laughs> younger than me. But um, it it does um, tend to go front and center to us. We, we, we put a little too much emphasis on it. So I think with the technology, the entertainment component, I'll just say this quickly. I know you got a thought in your head. I can see it. In oh your no, eyes. no, no! I'm, I'm I'm churning the things that you're saying because you're making great points. Well, I, have, I do have something I want to that's say. That's great. I can see it, and I'm and I'll <laughs> I'll take it. Um, I, I heard this years ago that the word muse means to think. When you in the English language, when you put an a in front of a word, it negates the word. So you put an A in front of the word muse, what do you have? You have amuse, Mm. which if muse means to think, amuse means not to think. And I think that is, we haven't mentioned him yet, the devil's playground. He loves to get us caught up in things that I guess the scripture would call vanity and vexation of spirit, something that's a rabbit trail that we get so hepped up on and hot on. Mm -hmm. And so while we're entrenched in those things, we aren't thinking about the most important things. Right. We aren't thinking about the things of the Spirit, what God really wants to come out of our life. We aren't thinking about necessarily loving our brothers and sisters and community and friends. We're kind of focusing on self. What do I like? What makes me feel good? One last thought on athletics. I always thought this was interesting. So your favorite team is the World Series champions. Yay. Mm-hmm. But you know what? The next season, they start out zero and zero. You know, no wins, no losses. I heard a man, actually, I, I knew of him. He was a, um, I, didn't, I didn't know him personally, but he was a, a star football player, probably some years before I would have been interested as a young man. And I heard this quote from him in athletics. He said, one day you're in the penthouse and the next day you're in the outhouse. That's sort of what all of these kingdoms of this world mm-hmm. amount to. They don't really get us where we want to go. Right. Absolutely. And no, fantastic points. I mean, I think that, and I say this because I know someone who went through exactly this. When you really put your sport, your sport is priority number one. Everyone has a God, even people that don't believe in Jesus Christ, God, the Father, and everything, Christianity, they're atheists, is what I'm saying. Even they have a God. Something is a central central point of their life, their, their biggest thing. And a lot of the times that's sports. And I know someone that literally told me they, they had a lot of success in their sport that they, at the time when they were in the heat of it, they would have sold their soul to be good at the sport and... That is a risk you run, especially if you start to get really good and have some success in your sport. For sure, it's a risk you run. 
However, on that same note, I do think that when I'm in physical, when I'm enduring physical labor or I'm really pushing myself on a long run, I do think I can get a lot closer to God. But I guess, like you said, that competitive, the competitive nature of sport and reaping and I guess celebrating your win, you know, stomping someone out, um, I guess that's maybe where you can run into problems. So it does require some paying careful attention to, you know, where your mind's at and everything. Do you think it's possible to play sports though and still have a great faith and, and go to heaven oh, ultimately? I certainly do. Yeah, I, I certainly do. And I, I apologize if I sound too harsh. I, I think for, for, we are clearing up misconceptions here. So you're, I you're think, all good. Um, I certainly believe that. Um, because what you're saying about athletics, you know, getting too full of ourselves and mm-hmm. stomping, I think that could be true in the business world. I think we could be very guilty of that. I think those emulations aren't just about um, on the on the ball field. It could be anywhere. So I do think you're right. It has to be watchful and prayerful. We have just taken the stance as a denomination that we would prefer just to step away from that. And maybe if this isn't sound too trite, maybe exercise our energies in a little different direction direction. Mm. But I appreciate what you say, physical activity. Um, we know that to be a, an, uh, it's a phrase in the world, to be a couch potato mm-hmm. isn't healthy. We don't, we don't want to be the guy that, that can't tie his shoes or can't, you know, walk around the block. That That's, that's not an honor to God for sure. Right. I mean, heaven is a city on a hill. It's an uphill battle. The path to heaven is is narrow and difficult. The path to damnation is wide and easy. That's where I always get caught up with a lot of of Protestant types is in and not you, but when they start saying like all is forgiven, I'm going to heaven. We'll see them in heaven. It's like, yo, it's it's not that easy, I don't think. I mean, if it's as easy as you're thinking, then everyone's everyone's going there and I don't know. You get, that's a whole different conversation because you never know the judgment of God. And that, like, you don't know what he has chosen for this person who's passed on. They might be in heaven. They might not be. <laughs> we could even talk about purgatory because, by the way, I'm a, I'm a devout Catholic. And anyways, um, maybe it'd be a little, it'd be helpful to talk about the, the origins of apostolic Christianity because today I know there are multiple, not even sects within the AC church, but different groups, I guess, that are similar in many ways that kind of branched out from the original, whatever it was. So maybe do you you know a little bit about the origins? No, I I should have done a little more homework, but (laughs) the apostolic Christian church actually grew out of Europe at a time of persecution, sort of Switzerland area, a man by the name of Samuel Hein Samuel Heinlich Freilich. Yeah, these last names are hard to remember. Yeah. <laughs> Switzerland last name. So. Freilich was his last name anyway, and he um, he was actually seminary trained preacher in the what was called the State Church, and he just. God brought enough contacts into his life, different people that would share different thoughts. And I think one of the phrases that a certain individual used to him on a number of occasions as he was progressing in his career path, I guess I'll say, he would ask him, how is it in the most important thing of all? 
And Freilich wasn't sure what he was talking about, but Mm -hmm. God allowed the light to dawn that while he was learning the word of God, while he was learning what it meant to be a preacher, he had never been born again. He was still walking in a sinful behavior filled life, and he didn't know what it was to really be redeemed. And he, he, he was quite an evangelist. He started, I think, maybe a hundred different churches across Europe into Hungary, um, Romania, perhaps. Anyway, I'm not the historian that I should be there, but, um, he, he ordained a, a young man about 26 years old, sent him across the pond. There were some, the Atlantic Ocean, there were people in uh, upper state New York, I think, that had asked questions and, they sort of came from a Mennonite background. So I, I would say our roots were in Europe, but we certainly have taken on a lot of characteristics of of maybe some Mennonite mm-hmm. um, people. And certainly we were agri- agricultural. That's sort of as the, as the um, denomination spread from New York to, to Pennsylvania to Ohio. Um, it's very popular Indiana, in the Midwest, Illinois. Wasn't it? Yeah, our biggest um, concentration of of members is is definitely in the Midwest. Yes. So what what time period was this? Where its origins well, was it? Yeah, seventeen hundreds, eighteen hundreds. Freilich actually was born, I think, in maybe about eighteen o four. He only lived about fifty some years, I think. Um, so he, basically, the majority of the churches in Europe were probably. Um, taken or took root probably in the mid 1800s uh it came to america um maybe in that time frame and um so i i would say we're probably what would that be a couple hundred year old denomination actually the first denomination in america i think went under the name and evangelical baptist right yeah and but, my, i did some research and yeah, that sounds about right yeah. yeah um but apostolic christian felt like a right fit um for to sort of describe who we are. I'm not sure I answered your question right, but that was sort of the inception of the Apostolic Christian Church. Then it's been in America. We've had some outreach efforts that we have some churches in Mexico. There is a, a deaf church in Jamaica. Um, we are, um, we have a presence in Haiti of, of a sort. We've got some missionaries here and there. We probably haven't been as intentional or as successful in church planting as Samuel Freilich was. Mm-hmm. But I do think it, while I wouldn't say we're we're 100% behind it as a denomination, it certainly needs to be at our core from the Great Commission that we need to be sharing the gospel. We are brought to you by Outworn Solutions in Fairbury, Illinois. We've all been there. You're trying to repair something small or large, only to end up needing a small, little, annoying part that is specific to the thing that you're repairing. But you don't know what the heck the name of the part is, and you can't find it online for a reasonable price. So you start pulling your hair out, and you throw the whole project in the trash. It happens to all of us. This is precisely where the truly incredible services of Outworn Solutions in Fairbury, Illinois, come to save the day. Outworn Solutions is a 3D printing service which uses state-of-the-art 3D printing software and hardware to create any and all of those strong or bendy small to medium parts that you need to repair your, say, hot rod or your golf cart, your coffee machine, your action figures, your refrigerator, 
literally almost anything. So don't search for ridiculously marked up replacement parts online or in stores. Instead, go to John at Outworn Solutions in Fairbury because he can create the part you need, likely stronger, and for a much better price. For the solution to all of your Outworn parts, visit Outworn Solutions at 1005 West Oak Street in Fairbury, Illinois, also known as the Old Bowling Alley, or give them a call at 815-674-9313. That's Outworn Solutions, the solution to all of your Outworn parts. A, a tendency that a that a um a denomination like ours has, which is just saying it nicely, sort of a separated people, maybe not a going to every party mm-hmm. or maybe not at the football games or maybe not partaking of some of the athletic events, um, but is that we don't want to present ourselves as we think we're the only Christians and um, you have to do it just like we do it. Mm-hmm. We have, you talked about a culture, you know, we have a culture that we appreciate we're thankful for, but we don't want to worship the culture. We want to worship God. We want to honor and fulfill the Bible. I think every denomination has a culture. It's what you do. It's it's how you react. It's where your activities lie. I think that's probably what separates an apostolic Christian from some others. And again, Paul, this is not to speak of comparative or better or anything, just different. And I think our differences are just real simple. It's what we do, and it's what we don't do. Hmm. Right. Really quick, is the AC Church mostly popular? Like, is is it, like, mostly densely populated? Is the most densely populated AC area Fairbury, Illinois, like, on the planet Earth? Or? No, no. No, it's it's no. more densely populated oh, in other places. Oh, yes. Yeah, we have churches in Indiana that, um, Bluffton, Indiana, it's towards Ohio that might be a 1,000 members. There's... Um, five or 600 in a little town called Ritman, Ohio. I actually grew up in Peoria, Illinois, um, pretty good size apostolic church. I think we had maybe when I was young, maybe 500 members in the Peoria area. What's interesting though, and I see a difference in our Fairbury and our rural areas, when our young people repent, most of the community has a grasp of what that is. Yes. I will tell you, Paul, when I was growing up, people would say to me, what church do you go to? I about hated to say it. Peoria was populated about 100,000 people maybe mm-hmm. at the time. So think about it. 500 members is a pretty small slice of 100,000 people. Oh, yeah. And that's not counting the tri-county area. Anyway, people would say, what church do you go to? And I'd say apostolic Christian. And I can tell you the number one response back to that was, I never heard of that. Mm-hmm. That was that was pretty typical. Yeah. Well, so, okay. Nicodemus being born again, talking about repentance. What What does it mean and why do kids... I say kids, it can be any age, but I, I notice a lot of high school age kids, that's when they repent. What does it mean to repent? Because I, I've had multiple friends who I went to school with, and this is what I remember. They would wear cargo shorts, talk to me normal. They'd, they'd dress with a t-shirt just like me, dress, act, talk just like me. They'll begin repenting, which is a process, I believe, and you just correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, for a month or so before getting 
before ending that process, being baptized maybe. Uh, and anyways, one day they look just like me, talk like me, with me, hang out with me, do everything. The next day, they would literally massive changes. They would no long, no more shorts, pants, jeans, tucked in shirt, um, hair combed over to the side. And they watched how they spoke a little more. They were a little less rambunctious and everything. They just turned into an adult overnight. So what exactly goes into repenting? And, and why do kids do it and what happens? And, and why do they make those changes, I guess? It's a good question. Big question. I apologize. It's a big question. Well, it's a core of the New Testament. Jesus uh, came from the wilderness or began his ministry and said, repent. He said a lot of things, but he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's time. It's time when you think of repentance, think of change, Paul. What what the scripture says is repent and believe the gospel. I think the gospel at its core definition is the good news. Believe the good news that we don't have to live in sin. We don't have to live separated from God. God wants to be our friend. He wants to walk with us. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and be converted. Um, that's a big word, converted. That's changed. Um, I mentioned in, in the born again process, God wants to make us new. He's not looking to just bring out our finer points. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a, a hard truth, but there are things that the scripture says put off and there's things to put on. So our shorts, untucked shirts, messed up hair, necessarily wrong. They aren't. But again, I don't want to call it, a, it's not a uniform, but it is, it's just a call to the fact that as God's people, we feel like we want to portray it. Mm -hmm. So as a, as a young man, we wouldn't have long hair. You didn't mention the girls, but. I, oh my gosh, you're right. I didn't a, mention the girls. That's, there's, there's that's a, a huge change. There's a huge change. Yeah. I could, I, could I say something yes, really quick about this? So just to those of us, and I mean, the majority of people watching this will will already know what I'm about to say, but like, yeah, so the, the girls, it's, it's funny when they're especially, oh boy, when they're especially good looking, they take really good care of themselves. They wear makeup and they do their hair, this and that. They dress well. Um, they will go from wearing makeup to no makeup, which can be a shock in itself, um, from curled hair and everything to hair in a bun, from wearing super tight jeans, whatever, to in shorts, goodness, that can, yeah, that's short shorts and everything, long flowing skirts. So no makeup, hair up in a bun, long skirts, definitely no low hanging shirts or anything like that. Um, you know, very modest shirts. Really, that's, that can, you can just summarize all that and become, they become very modest and in their dress and their talk and everything like that, which I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing at all. But it's just, it's a shock at Startling, least. isn't it? Yeah. Anyways, uh, I just thought I'd throw no, it out No, I appreciate that. And I mm -hmm. think you summed it up well. It, it does fall under the heading of modesty. We are brought to you by Fairberry Furniture. Fairberry Furniture is the area's favorite furniture store. Their selection is huge, their staff is helpful and friendly, and they have all of your favorite brands of mattresses, tables, chairs, recliners, couches, and basically all furniture items. Make your home comfy, stylish, and delightful when you shop at Fairberry's own Fairberry Furniture. Um, you know, I, 
I think the 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 ladies have a have a double responsibility uh, to the gentlemen. I'll call them gentlemen. Mm-hmm. To the gentlemen, they don't want to be a stumbling block. They don't want to be alluring. I'll use the common word sexy. They want to be God honoring. But it also sets a pace for the other young ladies that um they don't need the makeup, the the beauty of God. I love the fresh scrubbed look, Paul. I just really do. I think that the beauty of God isn't actually just the the outward appearance anyway. It it is the scripture talks about the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Mm-hmm. That that's of mm-hmm. high value to God. And and the scripture does call out various things, but I would say really even with the young men, there is a call to modesty. Um, a humility not to 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 always be on the cutting edge of fashion to be self-promoting it is interesting i i wouldn't know how to wear a shirt other than tucked in but i have had some young men come repenting that have said oh i i i tucked my shirt in now and i, I just think that's i didn't really ever thought about that i want to get back to your question what happens in yeah, repentance. That's really that. I I would say it this way. That's really the time when the soul recognizes I'm not ready to die. Not that they're necessarily going to die, but I'm not ready to meet the Lord. I I am carrying sin, and and it it's weighty. It's a it's a hmm. con, it's a conviction. It's condemning in their heart, and they recognize that the Bible is the answer. And so in repentance. We come to God. We, we confess our sins. We acknowledge that we haven't gone the right way and we allow him to change our life. And he does. And it is a process. The scripture speaks about sanctification. It speaks about conversion. Your time frame was a little quicker than we operate in the old, in the New Testament. Uh, souls would receive the call. They'd repent for sin and they'd be baptized. Today, the process, we may have stretched it out a little long. We want to give souls an opportunity to come out from the world. Mm -hmm. Jesus used a concept in the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. So, so we don't follow every whim and every trend of the world. And I want to say this, Paul, these are aspirational thoughts. We're not all in lockstep. Everybody's going to interpret. You talked about interpretation earlier. Everybody's going to interpret a little differently. But I would think most apostolic Christians would not want to be, we would want to be viewed as someone that loves God, that we want to be like Jesus, that we love each other, that we love our fellow man, and that it shows in our lifestyle. That it's not something we talk about on Sunday and we go to work on Monday, we're going to beat the daylights out of the rest of the world, or we're going to see what's in it for me. I think we want to apply scriptural uh, practices throughout our entire life in, in every opportunity and instance. And it's not to speak, we aren't perfect, we're far from it, but that is our desire. And when you really know the Heavenly Father, what you learn is... He loves you so much that he's not going to say, oh, you got frustrated and didn't set a very good example. Oh, you weren't very kind there. You were pretty selfish here, but it's okay. No, God is kind and loving, but he loves us like a father and he's willing to chasten us, Mm. to correct us. 
And we read in the scripture, that's hard. Um, it's not joyous. The scripture says that it's grievous, but it says, nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them that are exercised thereby or them that are used to it, that have become familiar with it. And that's how we know God, our father, who wants us to be partakers of his holiness. He wants us to reflect who he is. I guess what I want to say is, for every young apostolic kid out there in school that probably feels a little bit like an oddball. Can you mm. imagine how hard it is for that young lady to, oh. to to go on a Wednesday when Tuesday she looked completely different? Right. But I would think that young lady would want people to know she's had an interaction with Jesus. And there's going to be residue. There's going to be um, it's going to show not just in the fact that she's in a skirt now and not in jeans, hmm. but in the way that I'm just going to be simple. You go first. What do you want to do? Um, just respectful and thoughtful to others, not, not selfish and self-serving. That's just one small example, but repentance changes everything. And I will say this prior to that, it would be my heart. I don't want to send our young people out, this is a phrase, sowing wild oats, kicking up their heels, doing everything they can against the the will of God, Mm -hmm. just so that he can stop them in their tracks Mm -hmm. and turn them around. No, we can't be righteous on our own efforts, but we don't have to get so far out into the fields of sin either. There's a nice, there's a nice place. And I do think a lot of our young families are putting a lot of emphasis and intention into teaching and training. They're not training their young ones to be converted, but they're teaching them a a culture and a lifestyle and a pattern that will sure help them down the road when Jesus comes and then the change begins. You said, you said it very beautifully when people begin repenting it's because they are not ready to die and you know people shouldn't think like oh i'm scared to die like it's more so you're you don't want to die right now because you're not prepared for to be on the right side of eternity that's for sure so something i always love saying to myself i say it every day in my head it's a latin phrase and this kind of again with the catholic thing latin mass latin's our language i know german's kind of like the ac's original language but it's memento mori and that means remember your death. And that puts everything into perspective. So, you know, I'm I'm complaining, I'm sad about something that happens. Like, remember, you're going to die. How big, how important really is this thing? Or when I'm tempted to do something that I shouldn't be doing, something that's sinful, it's like, memento mori, hey, remember, you're, you're going to die before puts, you know it. It's going to, and who knows when it's going to come, so you better be ready. You know, puts things into perspective, doesn't it? Sure does. It reminds you of what's important, and that's right. your salvation, most right. important thing. Absolutely. Do you think? And this is this is coming from someone that's look from the outside looking in. Do you think there's ever pressure on the kids that don't want to repent from their families to repent from from where you stand as an elder? Do you think that that is a thing? Have you noticed? It? Oh, I I don't really notice it, but I I'm sure it could be. Um, I will tell you this, there's a lot of apostolic kids, and I was probably one of them. We'd do something that we knew was wrong. And um, as an unconverted young man, and yet, how am I trying to say it? Um, we, we felt guilty about it. We knew it was wrong. 
and it felt heavy to us. And sometimes we'd look at our friends, they did the same thing and it didn't bother them a lick. And we'd think, what a jip. You know, why do I have to worry about this? <laughs> oh, yeah. A healthy conscience tells you what you're doing is wrong or don't do that quite but, often. But yeah. we learned it's a bummer. We learned what a blessing it really was, right. that we knew the difference, that we could come back, that there was hope, that Jesus draws men and women unto him, says, come unto me and I will give you rest. And we found it. So we have a lot to be thankful for, for sure. Right. And just going in chronological order here, I don't know what you would call these things, maybe sacraments as far as uh, repentance goes. And then, well, this next part, that's marriage. Marriage is another big thing that people talk about when they talk about the AC Church from the outside looking in sure. and from the inside looking sure. in. But uh, how how do you go about marriages in the church? It's, it's um, a fairly interesting process. I'll just let you take it. How do you, how do you go about getting married? How do you, how do young people get married in the church? Well, if I can just throw in one stopgap or you not betcha. one step in there would be baptism would happen first. The scripture talks about being baptized into one body. That's when we become members, members of the church, members of the body of Christ. And as members of the body of Christ and as members of the apostolic Christian church, and it might sound a little narrow, frame to some, but we do marry within the church. So a brother in the church will marry a sister in the church. Always? Yes. Well, yeah, I would say yes. Mm -hmm. Um, There may have been exceptions, but that's pretty much the norm. Mm -hmm. Um, Beyond that, um, one thing that, that probably creates the interesting phenomena, what you would see, is that we don't date. That our young people don't date. I'm glad you said that. Well, yeah, I well, was, was going to ask about that, but... That's perplexing to a lot of people. Imagine a woman that works in an office, and she's... I'm going to pick on you. You're 23 years old. She's 23 years old. She's worked with them for five years. And uh, they know she doesn't date. They know she's not seeing anyone. Hmm. And she comes on a Monday morning, and she says... I'm getting married. And they're like, what do you mean? She might even be given her notice at work because maybe she isn't going to be able to work much longer. Maybe she's moving to Ohio or California. We don't know. And um, it's very perplexing. Well, I didn't even think you were dating anybody. Well, I, w- <laughs> I wasn't. Um, it, it sounds mysterious. Um, we, we ask, there isn't a specific age to marry. But, you know, a person gets to be 21, 22, 20, whatever the age are, they start to think about it, probably thinking about it a lot longer. I've often said we've got probably a lot of 15-year-old boys that are thinking about who am I going to marry. I I remember hearing that one time and somebody not from our church said, who are you going to marry? Who are you going to go to prom with? You know, (laughs) they don't care about who they're going to marry at that age. Anyway, because we know it is a big step. We don't want to overplay it. Not everybody gets married. You know, there's a fair amount of people that remain single, not always by choice. Um, marriage is is uh, very serious. Um, scripture speaks about a man leaving father and mother and, and cleaving unto his wife. And Scripture uses, you used the word mysterious before. This is a mystery to become one. It's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. So a brother would tend to begin praying 
um, Lord, help me to know who I should be praying about, who I should be thinking about getting married. It could come from the woman too. Typically, most often comes from the man. But as they pray, seek the heart of God, experience what they experience, they feel moved towards a certain individual. They would come and visit with, like myself, and I would actually contact that person. If they were from the Fairbury Church, if they went to one of our other churches, I would call the elder of that church and say, I have a proposal for you. You're the middleman. Correct. Yep. And so then that is that proposal then would be given to that sister or that brother at that church. Typically, no contact, no talking. Wow. It's just a prayerful um, proving out. It sounds difficult, doesn't it? But you know what? I really believe dating's a lot harder. Think of the emotional drain. I like him. I wonder if he likes me as much as I like him. I wonder if she, I wonder if she's getting tired of me. Um, she probably would never consider me. And I know it, if you, to an unconverted mind, it probably sounds impossible. But to those that have faith in God, to say, why would I want to pick? I love to talk to our young people about a verse in Corinthians 13. It says, we see through a glass darkly. I think about that and I think, you know, that means we don't see ahead very clearly. We don't see around corners. We can't see through walls, but God can. He not only knows who we are today, he knows who we're going to be. Mm -hmm. And I can't think of a better recipe for success than to have God draw those connections for me. Does it take a lot of faith? You bet it does. Are we scared to death when we go to the elder and we give him a name? <laughs> you bet. Wow. I, uh, I can remember my time and I thought, I really liked Mary. I had a warm fuzzy in my heart for her. But now I'm going to Brother Roy and I'm putting my neck on the chopping block. She's going to know how I feel. Wait a minute. Time out. You went to him because you felt a certain way about Mary. You you liked Mary. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting. <laughs> well, because so then what's, what's guiding you going to the elder to talk about Mary? Is it your feelings? Could it be attraction and nothing more? It could how, be. how do you differentiate between yeah. this is who God wants? Does God ever guide you to someone who you're not attracted to at all? It could. He could. Um, but I think if he draws you a place, she's going to, I like to tell our, young, she's going to be beautiful to you. I like to tell our young people when they're engaged, I'll tell the husband, she might not know how to cook, but she's the best cook to you. <laughs> I tell the wife, he may not be the best breadwinner in the world, but he's perfect for you. Um, my wife, I often laugh about this. She'll talk about someone else. We'll see somebody and she'll say, she's really pretty. Don't you think she's pretty? And my standard answer is, she's okay. You know who's pretty to me? Mary's pretty to me. She's my wife. That's who God gave me. It takes a lot of courage and a lot of faith to go, Paul. Sure, it could be. Attraction might be the first drawing, but many times God confirms it through the word, through happenstance, um, experiences, situations, for a brother to actually step out and go, I'd sure hate to go on. She's pretty. Mm -hmm. That I'd I'd be scared to death to do that. Now, do we get no's? 
Yeah, we do. Okay. But, so the- but you know, there's purposes in that too. I like to tell young ones that come to me or even older ones. I had an 80-year-old ask for someone a while back. He was a widower and she was a widow and they ended up getting married. But I like to tell candidates for marriage that there's many reasons for a proposal. Sometimes it ends in a marriage. Sometimes God just has a way of humbling us, teaching us. Sometimes it's for that other soul just to know God hasn't forgotten them, gives them an opportunity to pray. Or, you know, in life, you talked about life not being easy. I maybe disagree a little bit. It's a lot easier being a believer than being an unbeliever, I think, Mm -hmm. because we have God with us. If God be for me, who can be against me? Um, Now I probably lost my train of thought where I was going with that. Um, But I think sometimes God just, we do get lazy in life, spiritually. We do get um, too casual, um, too careless. And God uses sometimes instances like that to draw us back. Actually, I loved your Latin phrase, and I can't say it. How did you say it? Momento mori. Momento mori. Think about my death. Is that what it is? Remember your death. Remember your death. And so we want to remember our death, that we're dead to our old nature. And it isn't us that lives anymore. It's Christ that lives in me. And sometimes it takes a no in a proposal to get me more grounded and moving forward in the right way. Is it hard for me to deliver a no? I hate it. Mm -hmm. It's so hard. How do you do that? You know, you want to encourage don't get discouraged. God's working. He had a purpose and a plan, but that's who they wanted to marry. It's it That part is hard, but it works, and God has sure blessed. I'm very curious. I want to ask, what, what kind of signs do the people that come to you to tell you who they think they want to extend a hand to, ask for their hand, I should say? Sure. What what kind of signs, how do they know that God is is telling them to ask about this person? Because I've heard of different things. Like I've heard one of my friends say that they saw a time on the clock, went to the Bible, looked to this corresponding verse, and it said this person's name. And they're like, I knew it. And they go to you and like that was enough for them. And then those, they got married. What kind of signs are they? Are you, do you tell them to look for certain signs to look somewhere for a sign? Or? No, I don't. Um, that can happen. And I would not deny God's ability to use that. But God's multimedia, he can speak in so many ways. I can also open the scripture and read, Woe unto thee, Bethsaida, woe unto thee, Chorazin. Or I can open the scripture and read, um, Judas went out and hung himself. Mm. Um, that, that might not be God's message for me. So we don't want to take that out of context. A sign is helpful, but it isn't everything. I wouldn't want to get married on that alone. I think it's a spiritual discernment. It, it's, it's sometimes, Paul, it's just a feeling that won't leave. The, the young mm. man tries to put it on the shelf. He tries to push it away. He says, Lord, take it away. If it's not supposed to be, help me to know. Most people are not racing to my door to do this. Most are coming with a little apprehension. Um, but I would say it's a, it's a multitude of things. It's a, it's a montage of things. And I think probably the majority of people that come to me, they just can't carry it anymore. 
and I, I, this doesn't sound very kind, but I would say that most of them would rather have the clarity of no. That's mm-hmm. how the answer will come back, yes or no. And if it comes back no, then they just have to move on. Right. Very well put. We are brought to you by Forest Edge Tree Service. If you have trees or tree stumps on your property that you want gone, go nowhere else but Livingston County's premier tree service provider, Forest Edge Tree Service. Your yard is no place for looming, dead, or damaged trees because it's just a matter of time before they come down, ruining your property, ruining your week, and ruining your bank account. This is exactly why you need to be a responsible adult and hire the services of Forest Edge Tree Service. Simply give Joe Rudin a call or a text at 815-615-3037 to get a free quote today. Forest Edge Tree Service is staffed with trained professionals who use cutting-edge equipment to get the job done right every time. Their cleanup is top-notch, they're fully insured, and their customers are always pleased with the jobs that they do, which is why they've earned a reputation for being Livingston County's premier tree service provider. Keep your family, pets, vehicles, and neighbors safe and save yourself from a world of headaches when you call or text Forest Edge Tree Service to get those dangerous, looming, troublesome trees off of your property. That's Forest Edge Tree Service, Livingston County's premier tree service provider. We're getting towards the end of this thing. I want to ask you one question that's nice and lighthearted, and then one that's hard-hitting. Sure. So, first of all, do you guys have an organ in your church, or whenever you sing, is it a cappella? Because I've gone to many, many services, baptisms, um, marriages even, and the singing is gorgeous. And I just realized, like, someone plays a harmonica real quick to get on the right key, and then they just sing unbelievably beautifully. And there's no organ or anything. So is it always a cappella or Yeah, or what? it is. Yeah. And and again, don't misunderstand that. People sometimes, Paul, in the things that you don't do, you look so condemning. You know, mm-hmm. you're not doing that. What's wrong with it? Right. Mm-hmm. But um we we just really appreciate and you can't read the Psalms and not read that, you know, David used a harp or I will play with the twelve stringed instruments. He talks about the cymbals. So we we don't want to condemn, you know, music in that regard, but we have just found that four-part harmony. It, it is, and I appreciate you saying it, but I think so too. It's beautiful. It allows us to focus on the words in the hymn, and so that that is a blessing. But no, that's that's sort of a part of the church. We just don't typically. Now, many, many have guitars, pianos, organs in their home, you know, that— this is not an unmusical group. This is not an unstudied group that's come together. We right. just don't do it with orchestra, orchestra or, or uh, however you would say it. Yeah, it is gorgeous. So that was my, I mean, no disrespect to the actual service, but it was my favorite part. Sure. It was glorious. Sure. And okay, so. So that was the light one. Yes. So when it comes to salvation, from your perspective, as I said, I'm, I'm a Catholic man. What do you think about my salvation if I if I do live my, the rest of my life and die as a Catholic? Am I, you know, am I going to hell or I don't? What th- do you think is your well, salvation outside of well, the ACC? Oh, absolutely. I I don't think the denomination drives that at all. It, it ought to be a help to us. It ought to be a framework. It ought to be a a pasture. You know where the 
where the sheep can feed and where they can be nurtured and encouraged in there. And they're sent out to, to be loving um, lights and examples. Think of the scripture that says, be a city on a hill, be the light of the world, be the salt of the earth, be an ambassador for Jesus, be an example of the believer. Yeah, we want to equip the brotherhood to go out and to serve. But to me, the core of the gospel comes down to this. Has there been a time in your life that you recognized you were a sinner? Have you asked God to forgive you for your sins? We would call that repentance. I think repentance at its core would mean sorrow. But I think that's why you would come because you recognize this isn't working. I'm not going the right way. It would take faith in Jesus and his sacrifice, which was his shed blood, then as apostolics, we believe very strongly that we need to maintain that. This might be what you are talking about. It looks like there might be a little work. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like it could be kind of a hard road. You know, straight is the way and narrow is the gate. Um, straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life eternal. Few there be that find it. Oh, but it's findable. Mm-hmm. And God knows how to coach, how to talk, how to teach. He's a better teacher than any of us. And so we believe that, that it takes a, um, an acknowledgement of sin and a recognition that salvation is in Christ alone, nowhere else. And then a desire to follow what the Bible says, to stay near the Lord, to have him living in our life. I, I'd have every confidence if that's how a person lives their life, they're going to be in eternity with God. Wow. Well, thank you for clearing that up. I'll be honest, I, I was expecting a different answer, but well, well, that, that was very hard. <laughs> this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on and explaining so many of the things that I've questioned for a long time. I'm sure a lot of people have had questions about for quite a while. It was an honor to talk with you today. Well, Thanks so much for coming on. The privilege was mine, and I'd sure welcome anybody that listens that has interest. Come and taste and see. We'd love to have them come. So. Wonderful. Thank you, Paul. I'm going to give you a quick compliment if we got a minute. Oh, sure I talked to somebody that you did a podcast with, somebody about 90 years old, and I said, you did a good job. And I told him, I'm actually going to be talking to Paul. And he says, he'll make it easy. <laughs> so I think that's a real credit to you. Oh, man. Wow. I'd, I'd like to invest in your future. I think you're going to go far. Well, hey, thank you so much. Yeah, that's that's very it. nice of you. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I haven't talked to too many 90-year-olds, so I think I know who you're talking about. I think about, you do. Yeah. Wow. It's it's so refreshing to talk to someone who, who takes is so passionate about their faith and put, puts God first in everything, everything in their life. It's, yeah, it's been a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of The Paul Garcia Show. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it on Facebook or with your friends. And if you haven't already, like this page on Facebook and subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave this show a five-star rating and an honest review. If you'd like to support The Paul Garcia Show, you can do so by donating any dollar amount on Venmo to The Paul Garcia Show. Additionally, if you'd like to become a monthly donor and gain access to exclusive bonus footage, you can do so on patreon.com forward slash Paul Garcia. Until next Sunday, thanks for listening and watching. I'm Paul Garcia. God bless and have a great week.